episode 21 of the podcast is with Johnny Northeast. Johnny is the director of sports science and fitness at DC United in the MLS. I wanted to get Johnny on to speak about all the challenges he faces over in the MLS and how it differs to the UK in the Premier League. So he spoke about the structure of his pre-season period and the common mistakes he sees made by coaches in a pre-season period, the travel challenges over in the MLS, and also the risk-reward discussion he has with coaches in terms of um, speed work and speed exposure for players. If you haven't done so already, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We've got some awesome reviews. I'm just going to read some of them out at the moment. So we've got um, a five-star review that says, for someone who is in their first year working in professional football, this podcast gives great insight into the daily challenges and practices expected. It also has great tips and guidance, which can immediately be put into practice with your own athletes. So that's from HB underscore SNC. Callum Blades support, although it has football in the title, there is much um, sports scientists and SNC coaches from every sport can learn from this thought thought provoking podcast. So thanks for that, Callum. Um, MRM1990 as Port would highly recommend these podcasts for anyone involved in football. And then we've also got Soccer Coach K. The Football Fitness Podcast has a great array of guests involved in football. I've taken loads from the information available and look forward to future episodes. So please take the time out of your day and just take a couple of minutes to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, tell us what episodes you've enjoyed the most. Tell us what guests you've enjoyed the most and click on the five-star rating for us because it does help to keep um, guests like Johnny Northeast coming on. Um, and it boosts up the charts and gets more coaches aware of the podcast so please head over and do that and also if you see it on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram please share it put it on your Instagram story when you've listened to an episode um, tag the guest in as well share it on Twitter give it a retweet tag some friends in and also on Facebook share and tag friends in so more people will see um, and listen to the show enjoy the episode with Johnny Welcome to episode 21 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. Today we are joined by Johnny Northeast, and Johnny is the Director of Sports Science and Fitness at DC United. Johnny, thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show. I'm hoping the uh, signal holds out and we're able to chat through a, a few different subjects, so we'll, we'll have to see we'll have to see how it goes. But how's things for you? Yeah, it's been good. Um, we just sort of come out of pre-season now, so we've had our first two games, one at home, uh, one away yesterday in New York. So we've been off to a good start, so that's nice nice to see. So I hope we can keep it going now. Yeah, busy time for you as well, isn't it, with all, all pre-season period and coming out the back of that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a little bit different over here. We have to sort of have a sort of really long off-season, uh, sort of about 12 12, 13 weeks, depending on how far you go in the playoffs, really. So uh, it's a long off-season, so just getting the boys back up to speed and uh, ready to go again. So it's pretty hectic. So just kick us off, Johnny. Just take us through um, your career so far. So where you started and then up to your current role, which you just mentioned then. Yeah, so it sort of started when I was an undergrad at Cardiff University, at Cardiff Met. Um, so we had to do a hundred hours work experience alongside the, the undergrad degree, if you like. So I sort of applied to a few internships and got offered the, the role at Swansea. Um, so I was working with the first team for, as an intern, sort of part-time alongside my degree. Um, so I was doing that sort of two days a week for, for a year. 
um, realized I've sort of never really got to grips with the sort of full-time aspect of pro sport, if you like. Um, so I took on like an unpaid internship for the year, um, working with them full time. Um, at the end of that year, they offered me the role with the, the under 21s, sort of leading the sport, the sports science department there for the under 21s, alongside assisting the first team. So I did that for about sort of three and a half years. Um, and then sort of February 2014, the role came up with the first team to be head of sports science there. Um, jumped at the chance and stepped up to do that for another three and a half years. Went through some good times at Swansea. Um, worked with a lot of managers. I think it was seven managers in, in seven years. Um, so there's a lot of managers, a lot of turnover. Um, alongside the last couple of years there at Swansea, I, I stepped in to be um, sort of sports scientist with the, the Welsh Intermediate Squads. And then I left both roles in 2017, got off with the role over here in D.C. Um, in 2018. So it's been here for about sort of 16 months now, really. Um, so it's been anyone that's not really sort of familiar with D.C. United, we're going through a transition phase now. Um, we just moved into our new stadium um, last July um, and I'm in the progress of moving into a new training ground. So it's a club that's on, on the up. Um, and we're just going through a transition phase and sort of stepping forward, really. It's obviously a very different point of the season out there at the moment because you guys are just getting towards the end of pre-season. But I think it's a good good time to get you to talk through a few a few focuses of pre-season. So what would be what would be your main focus in the pre-season period? But also, how how do you keep players accountable in the off-season as well? Yeah, like I said earlier, but it's, it's a long off-season over here. Depending on how far you go in the playoffs, um, you could have sort of 13 weeks off. Uh, so that's kind of unheard of for, for being back at working in the UK for many years. So the first week for me in pre-season is just really getting guys back up to speed and sort of building them up gradually. Um, we spend that first week sort of working through the mechanics of, of the game, making sure they're able to tolerate certain movements, set certain speeds. Um, and just progressing them through that first week gradually. Um, I think that's vital for me, that first week, especially off the, off the back of such a long period. We need to make sure the guys sort of can handle those loads and build, build, up, build up gradually. Working with the coaches, we're sort of then implementing some sort of tactical input with the guys, sort of giving more of an understanding on the game plans and how the manager wants to work. And then after that, we sort of, then we will travel down to our first camp. So we're, um, DC's, uh, not the greatest for pre-season. Um, the, the, the weather is the middle of winter for us. We've got no grass pitches, so we travel to, to two camps down in Florida. So the first camp for us is all about the volume. So we're exposing players to sort of high volumes of training, two sessions a day, sometimes um, not many games, just a case of getting their tactical input and the game models that managers want to work through as well as the fitness aspect. We'll come back for a couple of days and then we'll head back down to Florida. And then that second camp's more about sort of dropping the volume, uh, raising the intensity and more game exposure for us. So we kind of break it up into three periods, if you like, a gradual build up in that first week, um, volume on the first camp, and then go back and have intensity on the second camp with game exposure. And what do you think some of the biggest mistakes or, or easily mistakes um, that are made in that period are, Johnny? Like, what do you think coaches will go wrong with that period? Um, I think the biggest thing is, especially Luke, I mentioned the long off season, they think six weeks we need to sort of raise intensity, get a lot of information in that first week especially, um, and try and do too much too soon. And players sometimes can't handle that sort of 
that sort of increase of demand and workload from doing nothing or they're just there straight line running and stuff in off season really so sometimes they like to go too quick too soon um and i think the biggest message i've sent to the coaches out here since i've been here is the fact of it's not a case of trying to get everything in that first week you've got six weeks to do it in um so it's a case of building up that uh process um to working with the coaches day in day out and try and implement that fitness within the tactical model um, and try and get it working together and I think that kind of helps out with the players to buy into the into the work that we do uh, they can see it as the whole package rather than the fitness being the runs in the morning and the football being in the afternoon uh, I think that sort of helps out and helps utilize the sessions we do have we don't have long training sessions there they're sort of hour sessions if you do a double session or 75 minutes if it's a single session so they're short condensed sessions but um the intensity and the the fitness is embedded into the tactical model that we work on and then just going back to the off season do you guys have a structure in place for keeping in touch with players yeah, so I sort of toyed around with this over the sort of the many years that I've been sort of working really, and we did something a little bit different this year. Um, I sent the players away with nothing this this off season, and kind of got them to I sent out a program to them sort of every week, if you like. Um, so I send them out by emails, WhatsApp, different methods just to sort of test the players a little bit and engage them in the process. Um, each week, the players would feed back to me. Um, we sent them away with the heart rates this year. Um, and they had a little app on their phone where there was a screenshot on the, the heart rate traces and sending them back to me. Um, so our players being accountable for those sessions and sending them back to me. I would chuck in maybe a, sort of one or two sessions in there that I knew were physically too hard for the players to do um, to sign of test them to see if they were actually doing the programs. Um, if I knew that if, if they'd actually done the session, they'd kind of feed, feed back to me and say that session was, that was, session was tough, I couldn't do it. Um, if they, if I know that they haven't done the session, they say, "Yeah, it's easy, no problem at all." So, try and test them a little bit on that aspect. Um, and then also, before they go away on the off season, we sort of set them targets of where, what weights they need to be back when they come back into pre-season. And we also give us sort of a workshop before um, they go away to explain the demands of what they, why they need to do this program, and um, especially things like the Nordic loading programs and stuff like that. We give them a reason why they're doing them. Um, and then that first week, we know if they have or haven't done the programs because the, the, the exercises they do shouldn't be a shock to the system. They should be getting sore. They should be sort of adapted and able to get through the programs that we set them in the off-season. So um, that's kind of the beauty of what we do have in the MLS is if you get knocked out of the playoffs, you have a three-week sort of window where you're working with the players at the end of the season to start embedding that process in, educating players before they go away in the off-season. Um, and then they can sort of get on board and buy into the, the program. And that change of approach to the to the off season program, how, do you feel like that's been more effective than the, than previous years? I think so. I think rather than just sort of sending them away with a pack and sort of there you go, go ahead and do it. I think I had constant engagement and constant communication with the guys in the off season. Um, guys seem to be a little bit happier and they had feedback and they had some sort of element where they could um, change a program if it was too tough or too easy for them and it was always kind of a constant change and an evolving process um, I had my structure of how I wanted the off season to go but if players couldn't do certain uh, 
days because they're away on we had a few guys getting married this off season if they couldn't do certain days because they're on a honeymoon or the facilities were sort of changing because they're in a hotel or whatever they had the the chance to speak to me we'd sit down over the phone or whatsapp and change the program depending on the facilities that they that they had and there was no real excuses of they couldn't sort of do the program if you like so it was constantly evolving based on the players demands players needs and and uh, where they were at in the pre-season really and you spoke before about the, the main focuses of your pre-season period and tying it in with the coaching model and the game model. What would you say your biggest challenges are that period? Um, I'd say that sometimes when obviously you, you are, you're trying to embed it into a tactical model and your reliance on the, the tactical model meeting the, the physical aspect um, so sometimes you're relying on players to do the work within the, the possession drills or the tactical element and you're relying on the the sort of the player to do the work sometimes the ball does the work if you like um, so there's always a case of sort of seeing how the session goes through the live systems and um, trying to act on it during a session or engaging with the coaches during a session saying player X, Y and Z haven't hit or aren't on board to hit targets for this session we need to either sort of modify the drill to make sure that they hit the targets or can we add, a, add on at the end of the session to make sure that they, they meet the targets during a session and they're on board to, um, and where they need to be before leaving the pitch. I think that's the biggest sort of risk when you're embedding uh, the physical aspect and the tactical model is the players get what they need out of the session rather than um, the ball getting what it needs out of the session. And can you go into some of the markers that you look at with that, Johnny? How how would you monitor that? Yeah, so um, a lot of the markers, obviously the GPS markers, they're sort of pretty heard of and what we're looking at. So each session will have a typical aspect of what we need to hit, whether it's high-speed running, sprint distance, um, changes of direction. So we try and sort of build them up with the volume and intensities for each session. We set a volume marker we want to hit um, from the GPS metrics and, and a certain intensity you want to hit from that session. So we're constantly seeing whether players are on board to hitting that through the GPS markers. Um, I've worked with the coaching staff here now for, and particularly our assistant manager here. Um, he's pretty good with the GPS metrics. So we have a, a good sort of catalogue of drills that we we know are going to hit a certain physical model. So we sort of pre-plan the session based off um, certain draws you hit in the past and that's going to hit we know that we'll put them around the area where they need to be for the session uh, but then it's being proactive to make sure that each player is putting in the work within those sessions and, and those drills to be on target for the session and if they were under the markers or under the distances for example that you wanted them to hit would, would that involve then topping up? Yeah um, so um, at the end of the session, we've always got some sort of add-on that we can we've sort of planned or put on towards the end of the session. Whether it be some players haven't hit certain high-speed markers, it might be some box-to-box drills or some repeated sprint uh, drills at the end. Um, some particular uh, uh, positions may need more. Um, some guys might need less, so we're modifying them as the session goes on. Whether they put them as in float as a floater in the session or as a bounce player, um, or we're doing individualized parts on the side for each player. So um, we kind of pre-plan as much as we can, but sometimes the session needs to be altered as the session goes on. So we've always got something in our locker as a, um, as a top up as the session finishes. 
One of the reasons for reaching out to you, Johnny, was that obviously the demands over in the, the MLS and the, and the States, um, which I'm guessing is pretty different to over here, is the travel, the, the miles that you guys are traveling and obviously the way you have to prepare your players is, is very different. And I've seen on Twitter the sort of journeys that you guys have to do. So can you touch on that and how you control that and how you deal with that in your role? Yeah, I mean, when I first came out here, I think I was chucked into the deep end a little bit. We, um, we played all our games on the road for the first sort of four or five months of, of the season. We didn't have a stadium to play at home. Um, so it was a bit of a, a embedded in processing, sort of chucked in at the deep end, really. So um, we play sort of typically we play um, Saturday to Saturday in our games, especially the first half of the season. We were traveling. I think we went for a period where we traveled West Coast, came back back to the west coast come back and then back to the middle of the country so typically east to west is about a six hour flight and it's two hour time zone difference uh for the guys and anyone that's not accustomed with the mls uh the mls regulates that we have to travel um by a commercial flight um and that's put in place just to kind of level up the playing field and make it equal for all teams which has its bonuses and it has its, its weaknesses but uh one thing that we can't control is um, the time of the flights, um, when we fly, uh, and those sort of things, really. So um, we have to be a little bit smarter around the edges of how we travel with the guys. Um, so typically, if we if we were to play a West Coast game, um, we would try and sort of modify our sort of training times the week leading up to that. Um, so we would try and make the sessions a little bit later during the day, as much as we can do. Um, try and get the guys sort of prepped, um, Go um, tr- eating at those sort of times and building them up as that week goes on. If we play a West Coast game, we go two days in advance. So we typically travel on a Thursday for a, a Saturday game. So we get there um, doing this sort of the normal sort of markers that you would do when you travel. Um, so we, we use sort of fireflies, stimulation on the flights, compression garments. And then when we get there, um, compression, uh, we do like a sort of activity, um, team activity, fire and roll, stretch, get the guys sort of moving again as much as we can. And then when we get there the following day, we do a typical sort of match day minus one session and, and gear them up to the games that way. Um, but each game has its elements, we obviously different climates, um, altitude especially when you're playing in Colorado and um, Salt Lake that's another element we have for the guys uh, and sometimes turf as well so we've got to think about when we get the other end what's the the situation going to be um, so we have to sort of prep the guys in the best way we can sort of thinking ahead really. And how would the surface like you just touched on there with the with the turf and the um, I'm guessing like 4G 5G services how would that change your approach? Um, we don't change it too much. Obviously, when we get there, we'll train on turf to make sure that they're custom the day before. Um, we, um, we've got a turf pitch that we train on here as well. So we sort of do certain sessions on there, but obviously we try and sort of limit the loads as much as possible. Um, we, we, we tend to find that our players find um, the sessions a bit more taxing on the turf. Um, the, the more forces, the turning, the checking, the players get a lot more soreness from doing it. So we try to sort of modify it and limit the loads as much as possible uh, and sort of drop the, the volume and intensities on those weeks. 
Um, typically, a lot of the turf pitches over here are pretty good, uh, but we try and sort of modify those weeks as much as possible and bring the load down where we can. With your experience over in the in the UK Premier League as well, with the difference in travel, is there anything major that you'd say that you were able to do in the UK that you're not not able to do as much over there or or not able to do over there? Yeah, like I said, I think the biggest aspect for us is the commercial uh, the commercial flights. Um, so we can't control the time of those flights. Um, whereas in the UK, if you're chartering a flight, you can kind of dictate when that flight takes off and, and lands. Um, so sometimes our schedule has to be sort of worked around the flight times over here. So sometimes we're missing training sessions because it's a, a 10 o'clock flight leaving DC and it's going to land in LA at six o'clock in the evening. So sometimes we're missing uh, training days. Um, so I think that's the big thing in the UK. You can plan those that flight to work around your schedule, land at the time you want to land. And um, you can also sort of plan the meals on the flight as well. Um, at the moment, we're traveling on a commercial flight. You've, you're sitting next to a member of the public next to you. Uh, you're squashed on a flight for six hours. Uh, and you can't dictate the meals and you can't dictate the climate, uh, the, the temperatures on the flight. So th- there's a lot of aspects that we have to, that we do take for granted in the UK and you don't really have those luxuries over here. In terms of when you land the other end, wherever it is, you talked about getting the players into like a mobility or a phone rolling session. What would the structure of that be? How would you approach that? Yeah, so typically we'd sort of use one of the hotel rooms when we get there. Um, we plan an area where the guys, we give them sort of, an, so typically in a half an hour session we would do with the guys. So we give them sort of the first sort of seven to 10 minutes of individual work where they can really work on areas that they feel that they, they need to work on. And then we're just literally working through the whole body to, um, just trying to loosen up the areas, trying to get the guys moving, um, some general hip um, hip mobility workouts and then we just try and chuck them onto a bike or get them doing some team walk or something straight after that to get them moving and into sort of a, a team meal straight after so it's just trying to get the guys um, moving trying to get the guys loose again um, and just ready for the next day really and I imagine sleep's quite a big um, obstacle with that as well with all the different time zones and the travel is there any sort of protocols you use or is it individual uh, for the players um, it's pretty much individualised um, we use certain supplements for the guys to um, to use if they need it um, and then we sort of check the, the amount of hours of sleep they've had the following day um, in, in the morning if certain guys aren't getting a certain number of hours we supplement them with stuff like creatine and the following day um and then obviously one thing over here every game is an evening game uh to work with the tv uh tv rights um so it's a case of sometimes when you're playing a west coast game you'll have an eight o'clock game in the evening which is a 10 o'clock game for us uh back on the east coast um so it's trying to sort of then work around that schedule the following day to make sure the guys are primed and ready. So some sort of priming activity uh, six hours before a kickoff, trying to get the guys working, get the um, some sort of lactate response, trying to increase that testosterone spike 
um, going into games um, and try and make sure they're prepped and ready to go for that evening game kickoff. You just mentioned there about the priming, Johnny. Can you go into more detail on that? Can you can you take us through what that would look like? Yeah, so typically um, something that I sort of spent a bit of time on in Swansea, we had a master's student working with us. Um, I think he's now working at West Brom. And we did a sort of study looking at um, how we can sort of delay that testosterone decline as your circadian rhythms uh, go throughout the day and um, one thing we looked at is doing sort of an activity six hours um, before um, before kickoff um, and something that to, um, to do that was looking at inducing some lactate response um, so typically this um, look depending on the equipment that we have available in the hotels we do some sort of bike spin activity uh, so we get the guys on bikes doing sort of quick six second sprints with a 30 second turnaround on the bikes um, and maybe some upper body lift or some sort of team activity where the guys doing something competitive in nature just to get the guys moving get the guys active and inducing that lactate response and try and delay that decline in testosterone because we know that that's um correlated directly to uh, peak power outputs and motivation to win and sprint performance. So we just try and do uh, and educate the players in the importance of those activities and get them involved in those activities during the day. Just to move it on to some, some speed work, what's your guys' approach to um, speed development and exposure to speed with your players? Yeah, I think... Speed for me is one of the big aspects of what we deliver on a weekly basis. Um, obviously, we have the GPS metrics and we have a, of a system on board where it sort of highlights players that haven't hit above 95% of their max velocity within a seven-day window. Um, so we're constantly looking at this and trying to make sure players are exposed to 95% and above with it once every seven days, permitting of the, the schedule and where we're heading to that following week. Um, We'll always try and expose them um, through run, some sort of runway um, or competitive drill uh, on the pitch each week. Um, I've had the discussions with the coaches on a number of occasions of the risk reward for it. I, I know you could argue it's a risk exposing players to 95% and above, but my argument back to that is, well, if a player is going to pull up with a, a hamstring doing a controlled 30-meter sprint, then they're more than likely to get injured and in a more catastrophic way if they're turning to get in behind on something that's uncontrolled to chase back a striker uh, during a game. So um, I use it as an injury prevention and a performance marker for our players. And then obviously the speed development side of it, we test our players pre-season and try and test them every six weeks. And try and get their individual uh, development programs to match that. So we'll test our players on sort of strength and rate of force development and individualize their programs to do that. So if our players can't pull two and a half times their body weight, they're working on strength. If they can do that, then it's working on rate of force development. And then once they hit a certain rate of force development market with us, then they'll go back to strength. And that is all sort of the foundations to the speed work that we do on, on the pitch as well. And what's the, the coach's response to the sort of risk-reward argument, or not argument, but discussion? Um, I think 
at first they were a little bit skeptical about doing it and uh the players as well were skeptical about doing it um and the first few sessions you could tell players are sort of not pushing themselves through to the maximum of it um but feeding back to the guys of the importance of it and feeding back with the metrics of where they what sort of speeds they've hit during the training sessions it's become a a good aspect of our week has become competitive with the guys the coaches get into it now and everyone's we sort of try and make it a a good event for the week if you like on our sort of depending on, on the week you get out there first thing on the session and it becomes a good part of the session part of the weekend touch wood we've had a good response from it we haven't had many sort of issues with the guys of it and it's become and we've and our sort of injury rates, I'm not, it's not directly correlated to it, but we have had a good injury rate since we've been here. So uh, it has been pretty good. I think you've got a pretty good justification from a pretty famous clip going around from last season with a, with a certain former England striker that completed that uh, half a pitch sprint and setting up the winning goal in there as well. Yeah, I mean... Uh, whether that's down to the speed work, I, I can't hold all the credit for that, but the determination <laughs> from Wayne to get back and make that play um, only helps to sort of use us as an example of why we need to do it. And sometimes coaches say, well, we don't hit max speed very often in games. Um, we need to make sure players are capable of doing it when they're asked to do it. And um, sending the players out on on the pitch and knowing that they haven't done it for a while and they're not capable of doing it. I don't feel I'm doing my job if, if uh, they're asked to do that. So it's, for me, it's always getting players equipped and ready to do the worst case scenario on the pitch. We know f- from a practitioner standpoint that players are able to do what's asked them when needed, if needed. Um, so that's a big role of, for me, is the worst case scenario is getting players equipped and ready to be able to do that. Oh, that's awesome, mate. And uh, Johnny, is there anywhere that anyone can reach out to you if, if they want any more information about anything you spoke about? Yeah, I'm pretty active uh, on Twitter. So it's just uh, at J underscore Northeast on Twitter. They can get hold of me, direct message me on there. Uh, I'll try and get back to them as quick as possible. Um, and then I can, if they want to reach out to me via email, I can give my email address out to them on there. And have you got any sort of speaking engagements or anything coming up or is it just busy times over there? Um, I haven't got anything planned in the, the short term. Um, we're just sort of getting through the first couple of weeks of the season and I look to go from there. Um, but at the moment, it's just all guns blazing with, with the season, trying to get off to the best start possible and just hopefully we can maintain the, uh, the good form we had on the back end of last season going up forward this season. Yeah, no. Well, that's cool, mate. We wish you the best of luck for the season. And uh, thanks a lot for taking your time out today. I know it's your day off, so um, go and enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Rash, for your time. Thanks for having me. It's been great to, to be a part of such a good uh, organisation. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Big thank you to Johnny for coming on to the podcast. He was someone I wanted to get on for a while to get his views um and more information on his role over in the MLS and how they deal with uh, the travel uh, schedule and the amount of travelling that those guys do and the the challenges they face with that. You can go and follow Johnny on Twitter. He's at J underscore Northeast. Um, Some of the biggest takeaways for me 
where when he spoke about some of the mistakes made in pre-season and coaches trying to cram a load of work into players across a six-week period and also the priming exercises that they use and the, the sort of protocol usually with players um, after flying and then also the risk and reward discussion he had with coaches in terms of speed exposure and how he approached it and sort of justified um, exposing players to 95% um, in terms of the speed work and how he spoke to coaches and got them on board with that. So I thought that was really good. Uh, please, like I said at the start of the episode, head, up, head over to iTunes, leave us a review. Let us know how you found the episode, um, the biggest takeaways from jo- uh, what Johnny was talking about. We have also just um, added some extra content onto our community. So we've now got uh, another webinar on youth, uh, youth athletic training a holistic approach to long-term athletic improvement and development on the community. So you can go over to our website, footballfitfed.com and click on the community tab. You can join it for free for a month and then it's £4.99 after that. And we've got a number of different webinars on there and a number of different discussions and some coaches that are working at the top of the game that you can interact with on there and ask questions to. And we're adding extra content on that all the time as well as our uh, network meeting presentations We are in the process of confirming our next few network meetings. We're very close to announcing the next one, which is going to be in April. And then we've got one coming in July and hopefully September as well. So we'll bring all that information to you along with the speakers very, very soon. So just keep an eye out for that. If you haven't done so already, please go and follow us. We are on Instagram at footballfitfed, on Twitter at footballfitfed. Our email is mail at footballfitfed.com. And we'd love to hear from you as well. So if you've got any feedback on the podcast, on any recommended guests that you'd like to see on the show, any feedback on previous episodes, please fire us over an email, mail at footballfitfed.com. And then we've got plenty of information, including loads of blog posts um, and obviously access to the community on our website, which is footballfitfed.com. Thank you again for listening. Really appreciate all the listens and all the feedback that guys are giving us. And we'll speak to you again next week.